Hello, St. Louis, and welcome to the STL Leaders Podcast, hosted by Brian Bisking. Brian started this weekly podcast to give a voice to leaders of our community, to share their story, their journey, and the lessons that they have learned along the way. Brian grew up in a small town outside of St. Louis, where he watched his father run a small business and was always interested in how the leaders in his community got where they are. Whether it's a local business leader, a philanthropist, or a celebrity, these are your STL leaders. Join us today, where we will chat with another pillar of our community on this week's episode of the STL Leaders Podcast. And now, your host, Brian Bisking. Hello, St. Louis, and welcome to this week's episode of the STL Leaders Podcast. We have Andrea Arco on today. But before we get to this week's episode, this podcast is powered by Synchrony HR, NWO IT Services, Go Brand Go, Enterprise Bank and Trust, and the Tom James Company. And now to this week's episode with Andrea Arco. Andrew Arco, welcome to the STL Leaders Podcast. Thanks for coming on today. Thanks for having me, Brian. No problem. So we got connected through Aaron Joy. Uh, Aaron was on my podcast quite some time ago, actually. Um, and she inter- made the introduction and told me I should bring you on. So I'm excited to kind of have you on today and talk about your career. Yeah, I'm excited too. Yeah, Aaron and I, um, I'm a client of hers. She is a client of mine and we're friends. Well, <laughs> that's always the best way to have it, right? Yeah. So let's kind of start, um, I always kind of start with my guests starting about growing up. What was growing up like for you? And then walk me to the path that led you to start Arcon Associates. Sure. Yeah. So I grew up, I was born in New York and then grew up in Charleston, West Virginia and, um, and went to, you know, public school in Charleston, West Virginia, uh, and, went to college, was a journalism communications major, Wake Forest University, did graduate uh, work at Duquesne University in Pittsburgh. Um, And I worked on both the client and the agency side in a variety of places. So uh, from director of marketing at law firms in Boston to large agencies in San Francisco, to smaller agencies in Virginia, and um, to the director of marketing at the University of Virginia's uh, engineering school. So um, throughout all that, you know, I had the experience of being on both the agency and the client side and um, got to got to see how a bunch of different agencies were doing things and how a bunch of different agencies were um, doing things that caused the client to respond or not respond well. And so it was it was like a a great um, second graduate degree. Right. And (laughs) and kind of, you know, what to do and what not to do. Um, And so. With the culmination of all of that knowledge, and while I had the security of a full-time job in Charlottesville, Virginia, I kind of took out a loan and started uh, the company in 2005. And so I was basically working two full-time jobs to start it up. And um, I did that for about two, uh, two to three years until um, Arco really took off and I could do that full-time. So that's kind of the, that's the journey. So what brought you to St. Louis? Because obviously you didn't graduate high school here. 
Yeah, right, right. So I won't be able to answer that question for you, Brian. <laughs> nope, yeah. nope. Um, right. So my husband's training uh, program brought us here. And uh, oh, geez, when was it? 2008, 2009? So you moved the business in 2008, 2009 from was, was it? Char- you kind of bounced around there. So was it North Carolina, Char- Virginia? Charlottesville, Charlottesville, Virginia. Charlottesville, Virginia. Gotcha. We were okay. right prior to this, mm-hmm. which is a beautiful town, by the way, I, I've been gorgeous. There. gorgeous, gorgeous town. So, so you moved here in 2008, 2009. And what, how did you take the business that you already had and start um, intertwining it in the St. Louis community? Yeah. So that was hard. I always tell people, you know, obviously I love St. Louis now it's become our home, but um, it was one of the hardest places to break into both personally and professionally to form networks. So, um, you know, it was also at the time where we were starting our family and, um, and I was trying to grow this other baby, which was our Cohen associates (laughs) in a different location. And so, um, you know, I kind of look back in my old age. Now I look back and I think, how did I work all those hours and do all of those things? But I think it was a lot of networking. Um, it was a lot of, you know, my current, my current clients at that time being ambassadors for me and vouching for me, uh, in this Midwest region, uh, in this space. So it was a combination of those things. And then, sure. you know, slowly building my client base here, um, and then, uh, accumulating referrals. Absolutely. Well, St. Louis is one of those towns I tell people it's the, the smallest big town you'll ever live in. It, it's it's still amazing to me to this day. I'll, I'll meet somebody, I'll talk to somebody, and somehow I've already either met them or they know somebody I know or something along those lines, and it's it's just crazy. So I can imagine moving from Charlottesville, uh, Virginia to here and kind of breaking into that network, which is you know a great network in St. Louis. Might have been a bit of a challenge, but obviously. Uh, you were able to do it and now your company's uh, thriving. And and we just chatted before we jumped on here uh, kind of about how your business is continuing to grow. So one of the questions I kind of always ask my guest here is late. And I joked on the last episode I recorded at some point, I hope I can stop asking this question, but last year was, you know, a, a challenging year for a lot of businesses um, and um, including my own. And um, so from, from the COVID effect, how did that affect your business um, obviously, you know, we chatted a minute ago, but I'd like for you to tell the, uh, the audience about that, but also how did it affect your clients' businesses and how are you able to help them kind of overcome some of those challenges? Sure. Yeah. So at Arco, we're, we're very strategy based. I think that's one of our big differentiators. So not, we're not so much worried about giving you, um, the sexiest thing that's going to win us the most awards, right. We're, uh, looking at your business goals as a company and then, um, thinking about what mix of uh, marketing tactics are, are we going to put into this strategy to help you accomplish those at the pace uh, at which you want to accomplish them. And so we kind of took that approach during COVID as well. And so I remember I was actually out of the country when everything started to shut down um, and came back. I remember talking to my team before coming back, you know, I was getting the day by day rundown of what things were like here. And, um, I said, okay, well, we need to revisit every single strategy for every single client. And so we went through all of our clients, all the strategies we had laid out and made specific recommendations of how they should shift. And so then when I got back, so this was like, you know, not even five days after everything shut down. Um, when I got back, we 
uh, talked to all, had calls with all of these uh, clients, got their buy-in or not, and, you know, tried to figure out a path forward. And we continued to do that every, sometimes weekly, uh, but more often than not monthly, because things were changing so quickly. So it was just kind of staying on top of it, making sure they knew that we were there for them, that they weren't, you know, lost. Um, I think people, especially business owners, um, at least this was true uh, in my experience from my client base, they had learned from the 2008 recession that, you know, just because we're all panicked about cash flow right now, it's not the time to uh, unplug your marketing initiatives. And so we didn't have people cutting and running like we did in 2008. Um, I think, uh, you know, business owners were a little savvier this time around. And so um, we didn't have a lot of that effect. We did have people, of course, and we're working because our clients are our friends. And so we worked with people like, you know, on different kinds of payment plans and getting creative there. But so that's one of the ways we did it. We came out with a lot of free um, offerings to help just the general community, right? Because if our community suffers economically, we all suffer as business owners and just as individuals. And so um, we did a bunch of 30 minute uh, marketing consulting work so they could book a time and they just, they had uh, me and someone on my staff for 30 minutes and we could just brainstorm or workshop whatever problem they were having. Um, So we had, we did more than 75 of those within the first, I guess, four months of the pandemic. Um, and then with Aaron Joy, I founder of Black Dress Circle, we founded the St. Louis Small Business Task Force, which brought in uh, people, uh, leaders from across the industry in our region, and then uh, also some academicians. And so um, on that kind of level, we were, we were talking about what we were seeing in our businesses, where we thought this was going as the pandemic continued to evolve. So that was also really helpful and knowledge that I was able to bring to bear for my clients' benefit. Great. So let me ask you this. So you've been in marketing for a long time, um, obviously before you even started your business, which I think from, if I do quick math is about 16, 17 years, you've been in business. How is Mark? Yeah. 16. How has marketing changed from the time you got into like the industry, even before you started your business to where it is now? I mean, I mean, from my perspective, I've seen it change just from a social media aspect. Right. Um, but how has it shifted over the years? Yeah. So I always, this is a common question that I I get. And, um, you know, we get additional and different tools in our marketing toolbox. That's the biggest way that it changes. Right. So when I first started out, um, you know, there wasn't, Facebook wasn't even a thing really. Like Instagram didn't exist. So, um, you know, no one was worried about search engine optimization or pay-per-click ads. Um, And so, or writing for SEO. So you get more, I think the digital expansion has been explosive on that side of marketing. So, you know, now almost every marketer has to have expertise in both traditional marketing and digital marketing. So I think that's the biggest way. Um, But I always tell people, you know, a solid business marketing strategy is solid business marketing strategy. If you understand what is going to move the needle for clients based on their business goals, you just now we just have a lot more tools in our marketing toolbox to put towards that effort. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you mentioned social media and I, and I kind of alluded to that as well. You know, when you think about social media, to your point, Facebook, then it was, there was Instagram and there's Twitter and now there's TikTok. Um, and I, you know, I had a guest on not too long ago, Jimmy Sansone with the normal brand. And I just saw that they just started a, a TikTok uh, channel for, from, from a marketing perspective. Um, but when you think about all those different platforms, What's the key to really successful digital marketing 
uh, on those platforms? Is it, is it constant, you know, posting or, um, or is it, you know, knowing the right times to post or how, what is the, what are the little, like little keys to success to making that a piece of that marketing strategy? Yeah, I think it all comes back to knowing your target audience and where your target audience is spending their time, right? I, I see a lot of people who um, are like, we have to be on all of the things, all of the things, all of the time. And you're going to drive yourself crazy if that is the standard to which you're holding yourself. Sure. Um, unless you can hire, you know, a staff of full-time people who are just doing that on your behalf. Um, so, so find out the two or three platforms where your target audience is spending their time and devote your energy there. Um, and so, you know, you don't need to be posting three times a day. In a lot of cases, that's overkill. You know, yeah. organic posting algorithms continue to change. But, um, you know, we, we see a lot of people spend a lot of money on getting a lot of followers. And, um every single follower on Facebook or Instagram does not see every organic post that you post. And so um, you could be only reaching 2% of the people that follow you and you're spending, you know, three hours a day posting organically on social media. And that's not a good return on your investment. So it's really looking at your target audience, where are they spending your time and then how it makes sense to spend uh, your time as you try to move your prospects down the funnel. Yeah, I think what's so funny about like your answer there is when I first started this podcast, I, I obviously I'm not a marketer, I'm a sales guy. <laughs> um, and so when I started this podcast, I was posting like seven, eight, nine times a day about the episodes live, the episodes live. And I had a good friend of mine, um, Brandon Dempsey reached out to me. He's like, you might want to slow it down a little bit. I think you're doing a little too much. And I was like, oh, that's a thing. I mean, I had no idea. Right. So it, it's very interesting because a lot of people would think, I mean, theoretically, the more <laughs> you post, the more people are going to see it. And that's clearly not the case. So I think your comment there about making sure you know your target market and who your real audience is um, will drive probably the biggest success. It's been a challenge from for myself in this podcast is because I have such a wide variety of people who listen to this episode. It can be business people, it can be owners of companies, or it can just be somebody in St. Louis who's always wondered how to, you know, what does that company do or how does that company operate, right? And so from a, from a marketing perspective from the podcast, that's a little bit of a challenge, right? What platform do we utilize to really market the podcast versus, you know, is, is, is Instagram really the right one or is it LinkedIn? You know, we've, LinkedIn's probably our biggest one right now because of the kind of the people who listen to the leaders of our community talk. But I think that's a very good point that you brought up about making sure you know your target audience and less sometimes is better. Yes. Yes, definitely. Absolutely. And now for a quick break, we bring in our sponsor, Enterprise Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Enterprise Bank and Trust knows that every business and every person is unique. That's why they get to know you in a way that the large financial institutions don't. They are our banking partner here at the STL Leaders, and I highly recommend that you check them out. To learn more, visit enterprisebank.com. And now, back to this week's episode of the STL Leaders Podcast. So let's shift gear, gears a little bit towards kind of leadership. Um, obviously, you have you started your business back in 08, and you, you're the leader of the organization still 05, today. 05. 05. 05. 05. I apologize. You moved to St. Louis in 08. Yeah. Moved to St. Louis in 08. So, you know, you're the leader of the organization and, you know, have a team around you. How do you lead that team? And what is the most important uh, aspect of that? Is it attitude? Is it vision? Is it, you know, how do you lead the, how do you lead the team and the organization? Yeah, I think it's, um, 
Well, it's a few things. So Arco is completely remote and we've always been. So we were uniquely positioned uh, during the pandemic. Um, I have always been of the mindset that um, you hire the best people and it, it doesn't necessarily matter where they live if they have the right tools and technology, and especially in today's day and age, we can do that. So um, we, of course, our base is in St. Louis and we have, I, I guess, seven of our 11 people are in St. Louis, but the rest are, are throughout. Randomly, we have, I think, three, two or three in Florida. So um, there's a contingent, a strong contingent in Florida. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I think it's attitude and it's transparency. So so it's setting the tone for uh, times of stress in the company and setting the time, the, the tone when things are going well in the company, right? And uh, maintaining uh, positivity and energy. And then it's transparency. It's, you know, there is a lot has been written about um, since the pandemic of being human at work and showing, you know, kind of uh, both sides of you know, you're the personal and professional, um, both for employees and leaders. And I think that is kind of like always, um, for good or for bad, that has always been uh, my uh, my way to lead. Um, and I think it was because just of the circumstances surrounding when I started the business. I mean, I remember you know, having my second child and uh, talking to a prospect and saying, you know, I'm going to get you this proposal, but it may be in the middle of the night, right? And so there was really no um, uh, curtain that was like, you can't know about my personal life. It, it all kind of blended together. And and I think that was especially important as we moved through this pandemic and people were, were dealing with different things, right? Um, their partners were dealing with different things. Their children were dealing with different things and just maintaining um, uh, an aura of transparency. And then from a business perspective too, like being really transparent about where the company is going, um, how the company is doing. We have an annual retreat where we all do, except for last year, get together in person, no matter where we live. And we go through things um, very transparently. So that, that's what I would say there. Do you find it challenging to collaborate over, um, over the, you know, like Zoom or things like that? Or how do you guys manage that? Because I think that's a struggle that a lot of businesses are having today is collaborating over, you know, Zoom, you know, um, but to your point, a lot of businesses have been remote before this pandemic ever happened and, and they figure it out and they make it work. So how do you guys find that right balance? Yeah, I mean, I think you can recreate the energy if you if you hire the right people. I always say hire people smarter than you, more energetic than you. And um, if you hire the right people, we hire a lot for culture, obviously for skill set and competence, but also for culture. And when you have the right people, um, you know, our brainstorming sessions and we're we're really face to face almost constantly from about eight thirty in the morning to three o'clock in the afternoon. And whether clients are uh, involved in those. And that, that's not everyone in the team, sure. but different parts of the team are involved um, during those hours. And so uh, in terms of brainstorming, you can kind of simulate an in-person experience, you know, with a, you know, your brainstorming ground rules that you would have if you were all sitting around a conference room table. Um, there's an open shared Google Doc that can sub in for the whiteboard that maybe you would all be writing on, you know. So, uh, I mean, there, there are a lot of tricks we've learned over the years. And I think, you um, I, I think sometimes that we are 
we are more creative because we're not all, okay, now we have to stop this and go to our conference room. And now it's time to brainstorm. People are like, well, I'm working from my home office and I'm not feeling super creative right now. Let's move this meeting to two when I'm going to have a little bit of a brain break and we can, we can really explore the topic at hand. Yeah, no, those are all valid points. I think I think from you know, some of my clients, they've struggled with that aspect. But then again, they had no virtual presence whatsoever until a year ago. So you've had the you've had the um, ability to learn over years and years and years of practice. Whereas some, I think some club businesses today are like, well, how do we do this, right? And so I, you know, that, I think that's a very valid point to bring up. You met, you mentioned motivation um, from a team aspect. I'm assuming. You keep you keep referencing hire people smarter than smarter than you, and and you know having the right people on the team is is critical to to that piece. But from a motivation perspective, what do you do from a leadership aspect to continue to motivate the team day in and day out? You know, especially during a challenging time last year where there was an enormous amount of uncertainty, not just financially, but you know emotionally, mentally, physically. So as a leader of the organization, what do you continue to do to motivate that team? Yeah, I think we instituted virtual happy hours, you know, on a Friday where everyone took 30 minutes outside of their day and just said, okay, I know we're working hard on this project, but let's just talk about either what we're doing this weekend, how the week's been, you know, whatever. Um, We talk about wins and, uh, you know, kind of start team meetings with positivity. Um, uh, So that helped. I think that... um, People who join Arco know that there's really no limit to where you can go, no matter at what point you're entering the organization, because we're still relatively small and growing. And so I think that people, even people who have been here, you know, three years, let's say, they have grown in terms of title and level, um, you know, one, maybe two levels uh, in just that short amount of time. So I think if you're hiring the right people who are motivated and they know that there's opportunity for growth, that helps with the motivation. Absolutely. Absolutely does. And I think the virtual happy hour is pretty neat. Um, That's a way for you guys to continue to, you know, have that personal time, I guess you could say, as well as collaborate as a team outside of thinking about a a client or our marketing strategy or something along those lines. So I think that's a pretty neat idea as well. Andrea, I was in this podcast by asking my guests really the the last question, the same question, which is if you could give the audience one piece of advice today, whether that's on leadership or business or life in general, what piece of advice would you share? Yeah, that's interesting. I I think um, make sure you're doing things on the professional and personal side that that feed your soul and what gives you energy. So the second that you start doing something that you you your kind of body tells you that isn't right um, in terms of. Uh, that either means you become complacent or you're doing something wrong. And so I would say, listen to your gut, listen to your intuition and make sure you're feeding your soul professionally and personally. Yeah. It's a great, great piece of advice on behalf of myself and the STL leaders podcast. I appreciate you coming on here today and and sharing about your business and kind of your leadership vision. Uh, Appreciate what you're doing for our community. and, And thank you for coming on. Thank you so much for having me, Brian.